0: Welcome everyone to The Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. I appreciate you spending some time with us today. we got the NFL draft, that's in the rearview mirror now. You know, Dynasty rookie drafts, they're popping off at the moment, and I'm in a handful of them. I'm sure that our guest today is too, so I went over my updated rookie rankings on last week's show, and all those rankings are available for free over at The Score. But I always tell people... You shouldn't just base your decisions on one person's opinion. You know, I think that's something to, important to remember for fantasy. I think it's also something to important to remember for the rest of your life too, right? Get a bunch of different opinions, do some of your own research and then make the best possible choice for you. So today we got our buddy, Jordan McNamara joining me. He's going to give his thoughts on rookie drafts and you know him from his great work at analytics at dynasty. That's his site. He also does work for football guys. Recently, he just started a new podcast with his longtime podcast pal, Chad Parsons. It's called The Dynasty Think Tank. You can find him on Twitter too, at McNamara Dynasty. And we are excited to have him joining us today. We're going to talk through some of the real tough decisions that fantasy managers are having to make in these rookie drafts. And even if you aren't a dynasty player, you still need to have a good grasp on what the rookies have to offer. Jordan can help with that. So, Jordan, welcome to the show, man. We just spent about an hour recording an episode of your show, so we're going back to back here. Hopefully, we don't get a little loopy. Hopefully, we don't go off the rails, but... How have you been man? We got to let the people know. You and I talked before your show and then spent an hour talking about uh, 10 big off-season questions heading into the 2023 season and you said that episode's going to come out over the weekend so people should take a look at that. But let everybody know how you
1: doing man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's busy. Uh like you mentioned Chad and I uh, launched a new podcast Dynasty Think Tank. We've been recording podcasts for six years we started in actually even longer than that six and a half we started uh fall of 2016 so every tuesday night uh you know this is a new this is a new project right but i couldn't i couldn't let it end and not do something with chad so here here we are doing a a new podcast so busy with that and you know it's just it's uh it's good summer times in bloom right things are looking up from the weather right getting a little reproved from the schedule the whole nine so uh so fun time of year and uh i love talking dynasty this time of year because this is a good preview of what's going to happen
0: Yeah, we have and we talked a bit about this on your show, but now we have a pretty good idea of what the rosters are going to look like. There's still a few veterans hanging out there, maybe a couple trade possibilities that'll shake things up a little bit. But Jordan, I want to start off. I'm curious here when we're talking about these rookie drafts, you know, we go over and we do all the research on the rookies leading up to the draft itself to the actual NFL draft. But it's not until the draft comes around that we find out how nfl town evaluators feel about these players and no matter what we think about them but we see sometimes the fantasy community and you know the twitter draft community sometimes they can be way off about some of these prospects and now draft capital factors in and that's very very important obviously landing and spot that's important too that's a big part of it as well and we have all that information so i want to know just to start off here which rookie's value changed the most for you after the NFL draft? And it could be for better, it could be for worse, whichever way you want to go with it.
1: But whose value changed the most once you found out their draft capital and their landing spot? Well, I thought the capital would be about right, but the landing spot was horrific, Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I think kind of walks a better player. Uh, I thought... And that's not even really a knock about Zach Sharbin either. I just think Kenneth Clark's a fantastic player. So he's not going to come in. I don't think he's going to come in and take his job. Uh, And this was a running back that, frankly, there was, I thought, a real chance pre-draft that he would be coming out of the draft with a starting – uh, day one job right there were re- there were jobs that he was potentially linked to Cincinnati was commonly discussed there with him I mean uh, Dallas as well there was other teams there that that looked like potential Zach Charbonnet week one starter jobs and he lands behind a Backup. You know, he lands as a backup behind a, a second yeah. round pick from last year. Right. So that one hurt. Uh again, he slid a bit. I have a rookie draft tracker over at uh over at Analytics Dynasty. He slipped to basically he's got a median of running back three and a half. He's two oh one in Superflex, right? I thought that was I thought he was gonna be a top eight pick in Superflex uh rookie drafts, but now he's you know he's following right next to Devon A. Shane and That's that shouldn't be where he was coming out of this, uh, you know, going into this draft. I was a surprise that he was there.
0: Yeah, and I'd say for me, a chains probably my answer to this question, because I had him valued more as a round two dynasty rookie pick pre draft, Uh, really explosive, obviously, you know, the main thing and everybody knows it is the size was the big concern there. And then he turns around, he gets day two draft capital, but he goes to that perfect landing spot in Miami. You have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, you know, not exactly being the most menacing veterans on the depth chart ahead of you, I would say. And I'm still a little bit worried. And we talked about this briefly on your show that, you know, a guy like Dalvin Cook could end up getting traded or released and that he could end up in Miami. There's been a lot of ties there, but at the one, two turn in rookie drafts. A chain, somebody that I have been willing to take, even though there's still a lot of risk associated with him in that range. And it gets interesting around there. You know, we've seen you talked about Charbonnet falling a little bit. I got Charbonnet in a 14 team league. I got him at the beginning of the second round. I got him with the 15th overall pick in that draft. Um, it was from a trade that I had that pick, but um, I still took him there because you don't know what's gonna happen. You know, at worst, I think he's gonna be a, a high-end backup RB. There's a non zero chance that he could end up actually taking that starting job away from Walker, that it could be more of a 50 50 split than we think. But regardless, for Dynasty, I kind of still wanted to bet on the talent there. And it's a really difficult range for people to figure out. Maybe one of the toughest decisions for people, because personally, I find after the top six, which for me is uh, Bijan and Anthony Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Bryce Young, CJ Shroud, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, whatever order you want to put them in. I have those as the top six. And I think for the most part, I think they're the consensus top six. And then the next group, there's the wideouts of Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers. Then it's wide open for who gets picked next. And I've even seen Flowers fall to the early second in some drafts. So Jordan, I'm assuming that you made it to the finals or the semifinals in a lot of your leagues last year. That would mean that you're picking near the end of the first round if you held on to that that pick. So who are you selecting kind of in that range when we get to that spot where it is wide open and we'll look at it from a superflex perspective because i think that's the majority of people now are playing in superflex dynasty league so you know does will levis move the needle for you is it one of those next tier running backs like a charbonair and a chain or, or kendra miller there's a big crew of wide oats in that range that people kind of just pick their poison on There's the top three tight ends. You could potentially make it the top four tight ends if you want to include Luke Musgrave in there, in my mind. They're intriguing too. And we're probably going to talk about all these groups between now and the end of the show. But for this question, who tops that range for you? Who's that late first round pick that you're kind of happiest to come away with?
1: I don't really have one. uh, And my play there, instead of sticking and picking, has been like Quentin Johnson's fallen a couple of times to 110. So I've taken him a couple of times there. Kincaid, same same type of deal, 108, 109, 110, or in, a tight, in tight end premiums. I play a lot of two PPR for tight ends. But I'll tell you the thing that I've really been doing, instead of picking Levis, instead of picking you know, Charbonnet, instead of picking uh, Mayer and Laporta, I've tried to trade out of there. And I've got, I've had some good success. Uh, a guy that we talked about on my podcast, I traded one twelve and two oh six for Ramondre Stevenson, right? I traded one oh nine to move up uh, to get up to one oh four because I didn't want to pick in that range, right? I traded out for basically a future first and a little bit, a little bit more um, in in a deal as well. Ridley and one ten for Amon Ross St Brown. So all those sorts of deals there, I've been sort of using that range to solve a problem for me as opposed to what I think is taking a, you know, you're taking kind of a a hopeful shot on a wide receiver, um, or you're taking like, it's the tight ends. are just so slow starting. I mean, there's been one tight end in the past 15 years. That's average. That's been drafted in date. Uh, the second round of a rookie draft, the second round of the NFL draft, that's scored more than 10 points per game in his first three years of his career, right. As an average over the first three years of his career, like that's a super low threshold to meet. And there's been only one of them. And his name Gronkowski. So everyone else has basically failed to really make a difference. Um, So again, I like Laporta, but my expectations are a little muted. If I can really solve a problem from that range, I'm using it as a trade piece. I
0: think that's smart. I congratulate you on getting more interest in those picks than I did because in the picks that I had when I did try to move them, really didn't like the offers that I got and really didn't get anybody to to bite on the offers that I threw out for those picks. So I think that could be a little bit tough where people, at least from what I've seen, seem a lot more excited to move up into the top six or maybe even the top eight or nine if they're looking to get one of those other wide outs. But um, let's go over some of these guys. Like I said, we can drill down a little deeper on some of them and let's hit on the second tier running backs first you already talked about Charbonnet we talked a little bit about A-Chain you know with Charbonnet A-Chain I think Kendra Miller's kind of in that group for me too do you think when we're looking at you know A-Chain Kendra Miller because you already talked about Charbonnet do you think fantasy managers are overreacting or
1: underreacting to the landing spots for those two guys I just I look at A-Chain and I just like what's success look like I just – I always ask myself that when I'm on the – when I'm when I'm looking at players, when I'm trying to think about what I'm trying to accomplish with a pick, right? He's 188 pounds. To give you an idea, that's more than two standard deviations away from the average top 24 running back finisher, okay? You're talking real, real small. Um, what's, what's success look like for him? And, like, I just – I have a – I have a lot of questions about how he can potentially uh, produce to a level that's fantasy, fantasy uh, that's meaningful from a fantasy football perspective. So that's, I've been tapping on him uh, just because from the size concern standpoint, like he's an outlier amongst like and you look at his nearest closest comps there isn't that many and none of them are real high performers so that gives me uh gives me a lot of pause there with him Kendrick Miller's interesting like i think there's a, a real chance that he's a potential starting option there i could see him outplaying Jamal Williams and if there's a Kamara uh suspension right in the in the offing i could see him being a potential difference maker there. Um, I, I think he was probably underused in college as well. Um, Tajay Spears, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily outside the realm of possibility that Derek Henry's traded this offseason and Spears could, fall just totally into a starting running back spot. So that's, that's another one as well. And I've been even sort of moving from that range, like into the tanks, Bigsby range as well. Like I, I tend to like my running backs to have uh, very bimodal outcomes. Right. So even a guy like Roshan Johnson, Roshan Johnson's like, is probably going to be mired in some sort of committee. I know exactly when I would play. Tank Bixby, right? If there's a Travis Etienne injury, Tank Bixby is probably going to go into my lineup, right? Because I think he's going to win that running back two spot. With yeah. Roshan Johnson, with, with even Kendry Miller, right? With A-Shane, right? I'm not necessarily sure in these amorphous committees exactly when I'm going to play these guys, right? So I prefer to lean towards some of the bimodal bets. Either I'm going to sit them or I'm going to play them because from a lineup and from an impact perspective, those tend to be the ones that truly make a difference for me. So when I could sort of bail down to there, Bigsby's been a really good sort of stopping off point in the later, later part of the second round.
0: All right. So that covers the top backs. What about that huge gaggle of receivers that went on day two? So like Jonathan Mingo and Marvin Mims and Jaden Reed, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, Rishi Rice, Cedric Tillman. I mean, there's a few others, but If you're picking from all those names that went on day two, who's your favorite choice out of that group?
1: Yeah, I've only I think I've made two selections of a wide receiver drafted on day two so far. Uh, Marvin Mims has been the only one that I've selected. Um, Otherwise, people have been too expensive for me. I don't spend a ton of time investing in day two wide receivers as rookies. Um, I'm more apt, you know, like I mentioned, Uh, I made a trade a later first plus Mixon for uh, for Watson, Christian Watson. Um, We got the early reveal looks really really good from an early reveal perspective in terms of his advanced metrics i'll kind of yep. buy in then right that's kind of the way that i like to do it as opposed to taking volume bets on some of your uh you know on some of the the rookies coming in i i just i like the i would rather kind of pay a little bit more and take the certainty than take a lot of the uncertain shots at this point in the process and then you talked a little bit about the top tight ends earlier
0: i want to get some more of your thoughts there Uh, dalton kincaid went first uh, sam laporta michael Mayer, early in the second not long after going into the draft it seemed like this was a pretty quality tight end class and then these guys get the draft capital to back it up and i think some intriguing landing spots too as much as you know we don't maybe expect that they're going to come out right away and put up huge numbers like you said before could they potentially be
1: maybe safer picks than some of those receivers when we're talking about dynasty? How are you approaching those those guys? So that's a great question. Uh, I went out and actually was just running some analysis today in preparation for the show. And some other people had asked me this. Um, I went and I just took the first round tight ends and compared them to first round wide receivers. And the average first round wide receiver over the first three years of his career uh, averages 10.7 points per game. Uh, the average tight end averages 9.4. So Already a pretty big edge there um, in terms of the receivers over the tight ends, right? When you start looking up at the top, for example, I just, I just drew the 90th percentile as sort of a line just to get, you know, not to get too nerdy here, but you're looking at top 10 percentile performers. there. Uh, 16 points per game is the wide receiver number uh, 10.3 is the tight end number. Right. When you look at tight end success early in your career, the best tight end in the past 15 years for the first three years of their career uh, from the first round of the NFL draft, Evan Ingram. So uh, not a lot of people are inspired by Evan Ingram, but he's literally had the best uh, three-year start uh, of any player scoring-wise on a per-game basis. Right, That's the you got to be careful about being in that business, right? When you start getting into some premiums, I play in some two PPRs formats uh, where it does boost the tight ends. I think it makes it more interesting as well because it boosts them versus wide receivers. It makes them flex viable as well. So it turns into being, you really want to maybe start two. You can even get into the business starting three. Um, In that format, right, the tight ends in that range become a lot more interesting, you know, especially Kincaid, right? He's going to perform probably better than, than, you know, on average would perform better than two or three of the wide receivers in this first round of this rookie class. But when you look, it's a huge drop to the day two guys, right? It is a huge drop. The average, uh, uh, the average wide receiver, uh, from the second round, 5.9 points per game over the first three years of his career. That's not real good. Um, you know, basically the second best one after Gronkowski, the second best one was Zach Ertz and he averaged nine points per game. Right, that's a rough. That's a that's a rough territory to be in. So, as much as I like Laporta, I I have some some tepid thoughts. So, if I can use that, you know, I have some tepid expectations. So, if I can use those picks to trade for players, I'm really, um, you know, that can really move the needle for me. I'm trying to do it.
0: All right, I got one more for you, Jordan. That'll get you out of here. Talking about all these tough decisions in the first couple rounds of, of rookie drafts that you know fantasy managers are trying to figure out. What's the toughest decision that you've had to make in a rookie draft this year? We'll let you
1: speak directly from experience on this one. So I was in – I was trying to choose between – I was at one – I had two picks in the top five. So again, I was – this was a team that I – Fortune. I got actually pretty fortunate. I picked up a future first, and I was really trying to decide like how I wanted to use those. Um, and I ended up turning down a couple of deals that maybe I could go back and look at. But, but I thought a lot about like what do I want to try and accomplish. And I definitely wanted Jameer Gibbs, uh, but I was really like, am I going to do that at the at the cost of potentially getting Bryce Young too? Right. Again, it's a super flex draft, so it was kind of a it was kind of a. Uh, of a hard spot there in terms of like, all right, I'm picking three, Bryce Young could be my pick, but if I wait to five, I'm going to get a quarterback. If I I go Gibbs at three, I'm going to get a quarterback. Would I rather sort of risk not getting Gibbs who I really, really like take Young at three and then hope Stroud or somebody else goes four and Gibbs falls to me at five. So I thought a lot about that. Um, and I ultimately went with Bryce Young and Gibbs ended up falling to me. So that was probably the best. That was the outcome I wanted. But I spent a lot of time, probably an unnecessary amount of time thinking about that. Uh, but it was causing me great consternation because I wanted them both. But I was trying to figure out the proper order to do it. in. so I, uh, I ended up lucking out a little bit there that I kind of chose the right direction.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because I have, and I think I'm going to mention this to you last time that you were on the show um, during the season last year, I think was the last time we had you on and for the first time ever i actually did a tank i know you hate tank talk when it comes to dynasty but i actually tried to tank a team last year Um, ended up trading away a, a few veterans and it worked out in the sense that i have three picks in the top six in my upcoming rookie draft and we haven't done the rookie draft yet there but i'm picking 101 104 and 106. So I might be facing some uh, similar decisions as you were there. And yeah, hopefully I get as lucky as uh, the guys that I wanted to fall into me there. But that is all for today's show. One more time, go follow Jordan on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty. Go and check out all his work, especially the analytics of Dynasty. We always love having him on. We always love picking his brain. So once again,
1: thank you, Jordan, for that. Anything else that you want to direct people towards before we let you go? No, go check out Dynasty Think Tank Um, as well. uh, Go check out the uh, one of the things I always mention this time of year is don't draft for need. Um, so I did in my annual uh, dynasty team building guide, which you can get at analyticsdynasty.com, I actually went through and came up with solutions for you to actually fix your needs instead of just drafting, say, saying, hey, I got a fixed wide receiver. Let me draft someone in the rookie draft to do that. I have actual chapter in my book about how to how to go about actually fixing your, your uh, dynasty rosters. So you can go check that out and do that before you and you say, I got to, I got to address a need, like go read the book before you, uh, before you do that. And uh, I think it'll give you a good, a good advantage and some different ideas on how to potentially fix those needs.
0: Excellent. As for me, uh, the full NFL schedule is going to be released tonight. So I'm going to have a few posts on that over the next few days, over the next week, uh, some early season schedules that you could take advantage of for fantasy. And then as always, my strength, of schedule matrix. So be on the lookout for that stuff over at the score. You can also find links to it on my Twitter page at Justin Boone, and I will be back next week with another episode. But until then, big thanks again to Jordan. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will See you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time
1: with me tonight. I said leave on time.